You're listening to episode 63 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. English learners are learning multiple subjects during the day, so in an effort to help classroom teachers understand how they can help EL students in their classrooms, I'm sharing episodes about content area-specific EL teaching tips this month. Over the past couple of episodes, we talked about what you can do when you get a newcomer student in your regular education class. Tune in to episode 61 to listen to that one. And tips for teaching math and math language. And that would be episode 62. If you haven't caught up on those, I highly recommend you go back because these are full of great advice. Today, I want to share some thoughts and tips on grading English learners. This seems to be a big question that comes up fairly frequently, so I have collected ideas on how we can all make it workable. In this episode, you will hear about the difference between grading and assessing, what makes teaching English learners equitable, and what is the difference between equality and fairness. I will share tips on accommodations to use, ways to assess, and ways to grade your EL students. All right, if you're ready, let's go to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. Let's talk about grading English learners. In the world of EL teaching, there are two big questions when it comes to grading. How do I grade students in my ELD classes? And how do we grade students in mainstream classes? Since we have been talking about helping English learners in the mainstream classes this month, I would like to chat about the second question in greater detail. First of all, there are a couple of terms that we use frequently in education. The first couple is grading and assessment. Now, how do we differentiate between the two and which one do we focus more on? I know it might sound silly to you that I'm even asking this question, but let's pause here a minute. Grading is a low form of communication between the teacher, student, and parent. It has been a tradition we all grew up with and are now doing as part of our job as teachers. Yet, how do we know how much better is a letter grade B versus a letter grade C? Or what is the difference in knowledge between a student who earns 81% B versus a student who receives 79%, which is a letter grade C? Now, how do we measure making progress, approaching standards, and something like that? These are nuances just in the native speaker regular education classes, yet there are even more questions when it comes to grading English learners. For example, how do we know that students are learning what we're teaching them? What is the line between language and content? What is the process that we can implement to help them progress in what we're teaching? Assessment, on the other hand, is a different type of communication, and it happens mostly between the teacher and the student. It can be initiated by either, and it provides an opportunity to go on a learning journey 
with the necessary adjustments along the way. So yes, giving a grade is necessary since we haven't come up with an alternative yet. But one thing is clear, grading should be flexible, not a rigid formula, and definitely not a surprise. But providing assessments that match the learning are essential and will allow you to see progress in real time, not to mention (laughs) they will be a more accurate measurement of the student's actual learning. In turn, this allows you to grade more accurately. Now, which brings us to key points. Content has to be made accessible for English learners. You can't assess a student if you haven't given them a chance to learn. And the second one, students cannot be retained or penalized because of the fact that they're learning English and are not making the same progress at the same speed as their native speaking peers. One of the biggest challenges that educators face in this area is the fact that although there are clear guidelines from the federal government that high schools must make a pathway for someone who enters as a newcomer beginner to be able to graduate within four years and to be successful in standard instructional program, there clearly is little guidance as to how this can actually be implemented, especially if you are a teacher in a district that does not have a large population of English learners. So this is where the differentiation becomes truly essential. There has to be differentiated instruction and differentiated grading for English language learners. The second pair of words frequently thrown around in education is fair versus equal. So when we treat people fairly, we treat them based on their needs. This does not always mean it will be equal treatment, though. Equality means treating everyone the same. So you likely have seen at least one of the illustrations of fair is not equal. um, But since it's a podcast, um, I would like to try to tell you what it would look like in a picture instead of showing it to you in case you haven't seen it. Now, I want you to imagine three people, a tall one, a middle-sized one, and a short one. And they're all standing behind a wooden fence watching a game. It could be soccer or baseball or whatever game of your choice. If we treat them equally, they will all be standing on the ground uh, with the fence in front of them. However, only the person that would be able to watch the match comfortably would be the tallest one. The person who's in the middle might be able to watch, but they would need to stand on their tippy toes and stretch their neck to get the view. And needless to say, the shortest person in this situation gets the shortest end of the stick. They are not able to see anything because the fence is too too tall for them. But when you think about it, they're all equal. They're all standing on the same ground. Uh, No one is higher than the other. They are equal. We could help those viewers out by having them stand on wooden boxes of the same size. So we can provide wooden boxes. The boxes would be the same size for all. Now, the tall person can still see. The middle person can see better, but the shortest person still is unable to see. The box doesn't match their needs. 
What if we help those people with what they need? Maybe the tallest person doesn't need to stand on the box to be able to see. They're already comfortable watching the game. Maybe we need just a little prop up for the middle person to ensure they can enjoy the view. And what if we helped our shortest viewer with a box that works for them? It might be the tallest box, but it would be exactly what they need at that moment. The same goes for education of English learners. Every child comes with varying backgrounds, educational experiences, exposure to English, etc. What if we gave them the opportunity to demonstrate what they know by providing the scaffolds and accommodations that would be helpful to them? Similar to those viewers I just talked about, equity can be achieved when students are provided what they need when they need. Treating English learners equally as native English speakers is unfair and can even be unlawful. Hey, ESL teacher. If you are someone who works with English learners in secondary grades and have no newcomer curriculum or are struggling to engage your mixed proficiency level classes, check out the ESL Teaching Roadmap membership. It is my signature three-step process for teaching all levels, from connecting with students to helping newcomers embark on their English learning journey to supporting those intermediate learners. Inside the ESL Teaching Roadmap, you'll find all of the materials from my Teachers Pay Teachers store, as well as exclusive members-only lessons, videos, and personalized support, such as 30-minute consultations, because as ESL teachers, we sometimes need to talk it out. To find out more about the ESL Teaching Roadmap, go to www.simplyyeva.com forward slash roadmap. That's www.simplyyeva.com forward slash roadmap. And I cannot wait to see you inside. Now that we got the background knowledge out of the way, I would like to leave you with some practical tips on how ELs can be graded, assessed, and taught in the mainstream classroom. So there are three steps in this process. The first one has to do with teaching itself. The second one is assessment. And the third one is what grades to actually assign. So let's start with teaching. And number one is provide accommodations. We hear a lot of words of accommodations every day in our school, in our classrooms, but what does that really mean? So I'll give you some examples of what accommodations and what scaffolds you can give to your English learners. For example, you can allow the students uh, extended time to process information and to respond to questions. You can also accommodate by building background knowledge about the subject through home language materials, such as articles, videos, and summaries. Um, I keep going back to social studies, but if you are teaching, for example, middle school or high school and even elementary, when, whenever it comes to any type of history, especially U.S. history, the students uh, who are new to American culture typically don't have a lot of background information or as much background information as native speakers. And this is a great, great place to give them the necessary background knowledge that they need to succeed in your class. 
You could also pre-teach vocabulary. I talk about pre-teaching a lot on this podcast and a lot on my social media. What that means, what that looks like, it could be specific vocabulary related to your content area. Um, It could also be vocabulary that they need to express themselves, such as tier two words like revolve, trajectory, or something like that. You can also provide uh, sentence stems or frames and word banks so the students are able to respond, to fill out the worksheets if you give them worksheets, to respond to their friends or to you, basically giving them language support to show and demonstrate. And you could speak at a slower rate and it doesn't have to be in front of the classroom if that does not feel uh, comfortable for you. But when you are with the student, make sure that they understand what you're saying and you can say it slower in different words, maybe use shorter sentences. The second tip is for assessment. And it goes as like this, use a variety of ways to assess based on what the student has learned, is able to do, and on their strengths. So it's very important not to grade language. If you're working on writing, make sure you're only looking for what the student has learned up to this point. There will be spelling, grammar, and vocabulary gaps, no no doubt about that. And these should not be graded or um, assessed. Unless you were working on a particular grammar uh, structure and uh, the student has practiced, Always collaborate with the ESL teacher to determine the grading tier. Which brings me to the third tip, which is the actual grading. So I have asked teachers in multiple ESL teacher Facebook groups for their advice and experience in grading EL students in the mainstream classroom. And I have collected the following tips They are by no means a complete list, but uh, this is what happens very frequently in classes. Um, I think the fact that there is little uh, guidance on how to do it it leaves different teachers and and districts in different places. But let's, let's get into this and I will share what I know. And if you have any ideas and if you have um, any insights, I would love to hear from you and uh, maybe we can do another episode on grading. So one of the most important tips is if you are a WIDA state, follow the can-do descriptors. They really will be your saving grace in helping you understand what your student is capable of language-wise at their proficiency level. So for newcomers, you could use a pass-fail grade and uh, you can give the student a passing grade if they do something like they're prepared for class with the necessary materials. Uh, Maybe they give an attempt to do some work. Uh, For example, you provided accommodations. Maybe you gave them some background information in their first language. Um, Maybe they wrote a diary in their first language. Okay, so they try to do the work and uh, in the classroom 
that could be a pass. Also, if they, for example, use reference materials. So let's say you're working on a particular topic. So maybe you want them to know vocabulary and you assign uh, them to work on vocabulary sheets or maybe create word walls or do like Google Translate. These would be... Uh, activities for a passing grade. Now, the students who are at a little bit higher level, uh, level two to four in WIDA, um, the students could be given standard grades for work that is modified or performed using accommodations. So I think uh, frequently you can make a comment in the grade book about how the work was performed. But examples of such work include, but are not limited to, for example, assessments read aloud, um, you can provide word banks, reduce the problems or steps because of linguistic complexity. Uh, the students maybe draw pictures, complete graphic organizers. And again, these should be uh, created in collaboration between you and the ESL teacher sharing the knowledge because the two of you are experts in each respective field and I think everyone benefits when the collaboration happens. And again, you look at the grade up level appropriate can-do descriptors and then you will be able to know what you should and should not expect from students as a result of their proficiency. So Maybe you don't need to grade everything for these students, intermediate students, but just what they, what work they did. So if they learned vocabulary and you have a vocabulary quiz, for example, or vocabulary practice, you could grade that. But maybe the book that you're reading, it, they can't read the full book in English and there is no, let's say, translation in into their first language. Maybe it can be adapted in a different way, uh, giving them um, a comic book or maybe working with the EL teacher to make sure that they have access to the information that's in that book. So these are just some ideas. <clears throat> and then students who are at an upper intermediate levels and above you know, should be given standard grades, but that that doesn't mean you shouldn't check in with them to ensure that they have what they need because language takes a long time to sink in, especially academic language. It's upwards to five to nine years, and a lot of older students don't have that time. So even though they have been learning for a while and they look like they're uh, they have it all together, it is wise to check in with them and uh, to see what they need. Now, I would like to finish this episode with one last piece of advice. When working with English learners, we need to take an assets-based approach. We do not want to minimize the challenges ELs and teachers face. However, progress is made when we focus on the things we want to see more of rather than getting stuck on the things we cannot control. Your students have assets of multilingualism, adaptability, personal talents, emotional maturity, and so much more. Tap into those and see where it takes you. I promise it will be worth it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. Grading is such a vast and deep topic that it is hard to put it all into a short amount of time. So if this is something of interest for you, please let me know and I will 
make something that we can talk a little bit more about it. As a short recap, here's what we talked about. What grading is versus what is assessment. We dove into equity and fairness as these are the topics that are extremely important, not only when it comes to teaching multilingual learners, but all students. And I shared some tips for you to implement assessment and grading into your classroom right away. Now, let us know what you thought of this episode. We always love to hear from our listeners. Leave a review wherever you listen to the ESL teaching podcast or by sending me a message on Instagram. As always, my mission is to help as many teachers of English learners as possible and make your life easier by providing you with actionable teaching tips, ready-made resources, and meaningful coaching. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, Come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.